Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. Why don't we take a moment and just settle in. Why don't you just close your eyes. Lord, we want to welcome your presence here with us. So grateful that when we gather, you promise to be right in the midst of us. And wherever you are, you bring life and you bring hope and you bring restoration. You invite us into relationship with you. Lord, we're never alone. We're very grateful for that. And we thank you for this family, this group of people that you have pulled together, drawn together from all over the world. And we ask that you would continue to expand our hearts and our imaginations for more of you and what it is you want to do in us and through us. So come, Lord Jesus. Have your way with us this morning, we pray. Amen. All right. Very cool. Welcome uh, to those of you online as well. It's great to have you with us. Uh, If we haven't met before, I'm one of the pastors here at Coast Vineyard. Uh, My husband, Matt, and I um, were part of the founding team of people when we started the church just over 10 years ago. And uh, we talk a lot about community here, don't we? Yep. Yep. And you're probably like, oh, she's going to do it again. (laughs) Yes, I am. (laughs) Because it is something near and dear to my heart. Because actually, I think it is something near and dear to God's heart. And as we unpack the series that we're doing at the moment, the things we do for love, that's not just a good song lyric. It's actually a really great thing for us to be thinking about in terms of how we live our lives. And so today I'm wanting to look at that whole piece. And and I have been praying, Lord, would you expand our imagination around this whole thing of community and what it means to be family? And that, uh, that he would be doing that as we do this. If you Google up the topic of community, there's so many articles, so much research that's gone into that. And just more and more and more, we, we know how important community is to human flourishing, don't we? That people don't do well when they're isolated, when they're alone. In fact, we have an epidemic of loneliness all around the world. And yet, uh, we live in this kind of connected to, a, you know, certain extent, kind of a... a a mode with online, and yet we really need the face-to-face, person-to-person, real community, real family. And uh, people who don't have that, they've been shown to be more vulnerable to illness, to mental health challenges. They're just, we're just not built to do life alone. We are built to do life together. And this year, you'll know that if you've been part of Coast Vineyard, we've felt like the Lord has been inviting us as a people to rebuild community to bring strength to what was already there and to, and to choose to keep our arms and our hearts wide open for those that he's going to continue to draw to be a part of us. And I think that's really important because we live in an era of social disconnection, that people don't know necessarily what it looks like to have and experience real community or real family. And, and people are dropping out of church. They are deconstructing their faith and, and asking big questions about what they believe. We're in a lot of those conversations a lot of the time, especially with our young ones. And they often feel like they have to leave the church to do that. 
And yet my encouragement, not just my encouragement, but the encouragement of scripture is that we do that within the context of community, within family. That we lean into the strength of each other when we're going through those times. And it is normal and necessary for us to actually go through those times, to ask big questions, to really wrestle with our faith. That isn't actually a problem. That's just part of our growing. So we can do that with one another. And, and this whole thing of community is so vital. And I, and I know for us, when we um, were younger, back in the day, uh, we moved countries a few times. We lived in the UK for three years, then we moved to California for a couple of years before we moved back to New Zealand. We had our first child in England and then moved with her when she was five months old to California. I think about it now, I must have been mad. But we did it, you know, all for the sake of what we thought, you know, God was inviting us into, so you say yes, right? But my goodness, my felt need for community was like sky high. You know, you move countries. And I know that we have a lot of people here that have immigrated from other places or you've moved from other parts of New Zealand and settled in this beautiful part of Auckland City. And, and you come with this increased sense of, man, I need people. Not just the extroverts either. Like, I am one, but I also know that the introverts in my household needed people as well. You know, when, when you move countries, I remember going and, you know, that first few months of supermarket shopping, you'd go and it's like, I, it would take forever because you don't know, you don't recognise any of the labels or, you know, nothing is familiar. You know, you go and put petrol in your car and it's like similar but different, kind of throws you every time. There's that dislocated feeling of like, I don't have any history here. I don't have any roots with anyone. No one knows me. And on the one hand, that's kind of, there's a real freedom to, to that, to be able to be who you are now, not the people who remember you from 20 years ago and kind of put you in a box. Uh, so th that's kind of nice. But the downside is no one knows me. And we have this innate, like, hard wiring in us, don't we, to be known, to be accepted, to be loved. I love our youth. They've got a new sweatshirt. I don't know if you've seen the new cool green hoodies that our young people are wearing around. And it says, seen, known, and loved on the back. I love that because that is what God does. He sees us. He knows us. He loves us. But we long for that with one another as well. And so it's really important. I think most of us would agree with that, right? Like, yeah, we're pretty much on the same board. Community's important. But is it essential? Yes. Do we live like that? Some of us. Some of us. I think within our culture, it is actually quite hard to push for that. And I'm going to unpack that a little bit. It's not a novel idea, this whole idea of community. In fact, you know, I'm a bit of a lover of history. And if you look throughout history and you look worldwide through different cultures, there have always been that moment of people recognising we are going to do better when we're together. Even if it's just sheer survival, you know. We share our resources, we do all of that. So we see people gathering in tribes, in iwi, in uh, monastic communities, all sorts of, you know, collective ways of finding common ground, banding together, extended family groups. Uh, you name it, people have tried it, right? To be able to come together in community, to be able to do well. And when Jesus came, he formed a new community, a new family, 
he called it. And, uh, and it was to come. He said that this relationship, this new group, this new family that he was forming was to be the primary one for anyone who followed him. Personally, I find that a little bit confronting because I think that my family, my beautiful husband, my gorgeous daughters, my son-in-law, are like the most important people to me on the planet. However, Jesus is saying, yes, and not just them. You've got to make room for other people, the people that he's inviting. And he chose that word, family, on purpose. Like Stanley did a great job a couple of weeks ago of, of giving us a really rich understanding of what that word family meant within that first century church context. It wasn't the nuclear family. It wasn't based around the individual. It was this strong group uh, worldview. Everyone made decisions, uh, and Caitlin talked about this last week, you know, for the common good of all. It wasn't just about me making the best decision for me. It was like whatever was best for us, that is how people oriented their lives. And there was this invitation, but also a sense of responsibility to one another because we are called family. We're called Jesus' brothers and sisters. That's quite a big deal. If we read in Matthew chapter 12, this is what we see. Jesus is kind of having this bigger imagination of what family was going to be. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to them, who is my mother and my brothers? To be fair, if I was mum, I'd be a bit miffed at this point. I mean, I'm just being honest. I, was just, I really, I read that. And I'm like, oh, poor Mary, <gasps> like a blow to the heart. Anyway, um, but his point is, his, he goes on, pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. We are family. That is a big deal. There is only one father our Heavenly Father, but we have a whole bunch of extended family. Look around. We're just one little bit of it. When Stanley started this series, he landed on Jesus' invitation to this new family, that we were to share our stuff with one another, our hearts with one another, and that we would choose to stay and grow with one another. How's that sound? Sounds good? Sound easy? Nope. <laughs> no. No, it's not. And the, and the phrase that has actually lingered with me over this last couple of weeks is choosing to stay and grow with one another. I think the challenge for us within our cultural context is that we have been formed by a highly individualistic worldview. It's completely the opposite. We have been immersed in this from the time we were born that it is, it's all pretty much all about us, the individual. Me first and only is the culture that we live in. And the hard thing with culture is that because we kind of swim in it, and, and, and it's the air that we breathe, it's really hard to identify sometimes because the lenses that it creates are so automatic that we don't even know that they're there. And I, I know this for myself, and I suspect it this for all of us, that this kind of consumeristic project self is infused through a lot of the way that we interact with our, the world and with one another and with our faith. 
And I think that short changes us of the fullness of what God actually is inviting us into and what is possible. We mistakenly think, I think, that community, that this idea of family, we, we would all, I don't know if any of us in the room would actually go, nah, nah, don't think that's great, don't like that. Although we may have had some bad experiences of church which may have actually made us quite gun-shy of that. Fear, fear, fear play. There are things to be worked through because we are not a perfect people. We do hurt one another, mostly unintentionally. But there are things to be worked through, for sure. And for those kinds of reasons, and for the fact that, like, you know, I live a really busy life, I am struggling to keep up with the relational connections I have already. Don't ask me to take on more, or we'll just think, you know, that's really nice, but, you know, I'll get around to that one day. Or that's for the people that are, like, just super, they don't have a life, so they're just sort of getting super involved, and that's, that's you know, good for them, not so much for me. I'll just dabble in it a little. You know, that sort of one foot in, one foot out thing which is a really great dance, <laughs> but not a great way to build community or family. But we aren't going to experience what Jesus has in mind for us in this way of being family with one another if we're going to just base it on this peripheral sort of looking in for a couple of hours on a Sunday morning and when the average Sunday attention, attendance at church these days is about one in three or one in four, that couple of hours a month we are not going to find community or family there. <sighs> kind of you feel like the energy drop in the room. And it's also not the way for us to really flourish and grow in our faith. And so I want to just ask God, would you give us a fresh imagination for this, what this could be in our day, in our context, and would you start with each one of us? Would you change our hearts and expand our vision of what this could be? I think one of the things that hasn't necessarily helped us and that we may need to do is that we may need to rethink our, our understanding of salvation and looking at salvation as a community-creating event, not just personal salvation. This wonderful book, that I know Stanley talked about a couple of weeks ago, but I'm going to do again. If you have not read it, it's a great read, When the Church Was a Family by Joseph Hellerman. And, and this piece comes from this book. So if you're wanting to like dig into this a little bit more, there's a whole chapter on um, this idea of salvation being this thing that actually creates community. A lot of us have come to faith with this invitation to get to know Jesus as our personal Lord and Saviour. Yes? That was, that was me. Yeah, or some of us, actually, that's a phrase you'll never find in Scripture, our personal Lord and Saviour, but anyway, uh, quite put like that. But we have used it a lot, that phrase, within uh, Western evangelical Christianity in the last few decades. Or some of us have come to faith because we're like, you know what, I just want to make sure I get to heaven when I die. You know, I'm trying to make sure I've got, you know, good insurance for the future. However, God's got way more in mind for you to be able to live life with him fully now. Like the future starts now, not just for when we die. But the problem with both of those approaches and a number of others when it comes to this idea of salvation is that it's all about me again. Me, I am at the center of it all. That is not anything that Jesus or those early Testament writers would have ever imagined because they have been immersed, their whole worldview, the way they've been formed is this big group mentality. It was never a decision for me. It wasn't personal, like in that it was not personal, it wasn't private. 
It's personal because each one of us obviously is going to have to grapple with, do I, do I believe in Jesus? In the same way that Jesus invites his disciples, who do you say I am? Well, each one of us is going to have to reconcile that one. So it is personal, but it's not private. The idea of becoming a Christian and following Jesus apart from being in his community was a concept that never crossed their minds. Not at all. And yet, if we make us at the center of the salvation piece, we think, we're good, me and Jesus, we's good. I don't really need to be part of the church. And I know heaps of people that take that approach. They have left the church because they think, actually, it's mostly about me. And we have not served you well in thinking that that is the fullness of what Scripture teaches us about salvation. Let's have a look at a couple of images The first one sums this one up. It's me and God. So we've got on the left-hand side there, we've got this broken relationship because of sin. Then we come through the power and activity of what Jesus did on the cross through his death, through his resurrection, that we celebrated in communion today. I now am in this position of being able to have restored relationship with God. That's familiar, right? Probably a lot of us would go, yep, yep. Let's move to the next one. This is where it is about community. Now, remember that Jesus and his followers were all thinking in terms of the group, not just me. So on that left-hand side, we still have this broken relationship caused by sin. However, it's not just me on my own. It is us. I am a part of the whole of the human race, the world. That is the group that I was a part of before I came and had to make a personal decision of, do I believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Yes, so then I'm invited into this new group that Jesus formed, the family of God. And we have relationship with God and with each other. We do this in the context of community. Let's have a look at a few verses. Colossians 1, verse 13 and 14. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transformed... Hang on, I'm just going to catch myself. Please note the language. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Ephesians 1 verse 5. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. We give him great pleasure. Romans 12. uh, So we, though many, we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. That one another piece, those one another scriptures, there's over a hundred of them in the New Testament, and they are mostly about how we actually embody and work out our faith with one another. Us. We, together, this is how we're called. Uh, Let me just read you a little piece from the Legionnaire Ministries, like talking about some of this. For about 300 years or so, largely due to the so-called Enlightenment, Western society has regarded religion as largely a private matter. Most people are happy to let others believe what they want to believe, as long as we don't talk about it too much uh, in public. Even though most American evangelicals, and I would say that we're not that dissimilar, would profess not to agree with this sentiment, there is an unspoken understanding that one's religious affairs are private. 
and no one else has the right to meddle in them. This intense privatization of religion is wholly unchristian. From beginning to end, scripture assumes that while personal faith is required for salvation, the personal faith that God demands of us is not a private faith. Many texts teach this point explicitly, and I could give you those later if you want them, but the idea that personal faith is expressed in community is also taught implicitly through the canon of scripture. Us, together, the family of God, the group that Jesus created and invites us into. Just think about how many verses and pieces of scripture there are that are addressed to us. Not me, not me. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, I think Matt mentioned that this morning, they come to him and they say, Jesus, teach us to pray. What does he do? He teaches them the Lord's Prayer, which says, Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And it goes on. And every time we pray that, we're praying for our family, not just me. Our. We pray for our provision, our forgiveness, our protection, and our deliverance, not just for ourselves, but for us. And that's just one of the many scriptures that invites us into that. Reverend Larry Wilson says this, So many well-known scriptures are not addressed to me as I had been reading them, but rather to us. Or put another way, they do apply to me personally, but not to me privately or in isolation. Because we are members of each other, brothers and sisters in God's family in Christ. Okay, I'm going to assume that you're on board with all of us. <laughs> Hope for the best. There's been a lot of mmm, so I'm going to go with that. Um, so why does this matter? Like, I, I think that we would all go, yes, this is good, this is important. Please, God, would you make it an essential piece of our learning how to follow him? Too easy, I think it has been easy for people to leave the church and have a privatized faith, which actually means that their growth is often stunted, and we as a body of people are less, we're less, because they're not with us. The practical ramifications, this is what Joseph tells us in here, practical ramifications for all of this and for our churches is enormous. By separating salvation from church involvement and a culture that is already socially fragmented and relatively devoid of relational commitment, we implicitly give people permission to leave God's family when the going gets rough. To take their personal relationship with Jesus with them to another church down the block or worse, to disengage from church altogether. And this is precisely what people do. W. Roof observed, with believing disjointed from belonging, it becomes or it amounts to a portable faith. So here is the tragic result of driving a wedge between soteriology, which is our understanding of salvation, and ecclesiology, which is our understanding of the church. We have removed from the gospel what the Bible calls or views as central to the sanctification process, which is the process of us becoming more like Jesus. Namely, God's group. The biblical picture forcefully underscores the spiritual bankruptcy of this incomplete understanding. He doesn't mince words, does he? Whew. 
incomplete understanding of the gospel. To leave God's family is to leave the arena in which God manifests his life-giving power and hope to human beings in the world in which we live. We are robbing not just ourselves, but one another, and our witness to the world is dissipated because of it. Because they look to us. Whether they agree with us or not, they do have expectations of the church and they do kind of expect us to love each other. Like I talk to people outside of the church, this is one of their things. They're just like, well, you know, church isn't really my thing, but I can see how it would be a really good place to build rich community. That's why when we don't do it well, when our leaders fail, when people don't love one another well, why it has such big ripple effects, not just within the church. So our personal faith, our personal faith, each one of us, is this essential foundational piece that we start from. It's kind of, it's a level playing field. We are all sinners in need of a saviour, all of us. We don't ever get beyond that. It's a level playing field. And that actually is the first point of unity that never goes away. It's the thing that holds us together, is our shared need and love of Jesus and our being able to learn how to receive his love, often through the hands and the feet and the conversations and the activity and the relationships we make with one another. That's where it's worked out. The community, not the closet, is where salvation is worked out. It's not when we're closeted away. I mean, I'm not saying that personal time with Jesus, you know, that we learn how to pray and we pursue Jesus on our own as well as in community. That's all really important. But it's in community that we learn to embody this, where we learn to work out our faith alongside each other. And I don't know about you, but that's actually really good news. Like, such good news. I would tank if I was doing this on my own. Seriously. Like, I'm not, you know, you might just think, oh, she's just saying that to try to make me feel better. Genuinely not. Like, genuinely not. I could not have done over 30 years of faith without being in community and having people that knew me well, that could speak into my life, that could call me forward, that could remind me of the things that I forget when I'm not doing well, that can challenge me on the things or help me to stay accountable to the stuff, the ways that I want to live and the ways that I want to follow Jesus. They hold me to that. They give me examples to follow. I have the opportunity to be able to sow and invest into the the different young people or people new to faith. I get to give away what I have been so generously given. This is the beauty of community. This is how we grow. That's where growth happens. You think about children learning how to do anything, learning how to walk, learning how to, you know, I don't know, cut their toast. I don't know, anything, kids. It's not that they sit there and think about it. Or say, that is a good idea. That walking thing, it's good. <laughs> they have to do it. And nine times out of ten, that involves a whole heap of mess, a lot of falling over. They learn by doing. They learn by watching other people. That then they go, oh, actually, that, that walking thing, really good. I can get to that stuff, that toy, faster. I can get into that cupboard when mum's got her turn back, quicker. You know, they learn by watching, by having things modelled, but then they actually have to do it. The same thing, guys. It is not simply enough for us to go, you know, I read my Bible, it's a lot of good stuff in there. Like, so good. So good. 
and here I go off into my day. I mean, we don't, that is not how we're going to grow in this thing. It's not how we're going to experience the fullness of relationship with God or each other. We're going to have to actually get in the trenches, jump in, boots and all, at some point. There's a time and a place for being on the periphery and taking your time and just scoping things out, but there is going to come a time for each one of us where we're going to go, okay, am I all in with this motley bunch? Because we have not built this church, God has. Every single person that has chosen to make Coast Vineyard their home is here because God has invited them. And they have felt the sense of call and obedience to stay. Can I invite you to keep choosing to stay? If this is not a good fit for you, if Coast Vineyard actually isn't a great church for you, you just haven't found your people, you haven't found your fit, or we just like we differ too much on some really core things for you, go find somewhere else. Don't do nothing. Don't, don't just sort of disappear into the never-never and never come back to, the, to the, the beauty of relationship, the mess of relationship with the church. Plant yourself. I think uh, Annalise mentioned that earlier on. She's like, plant yourself somewhere. And, and then you get to give away what you have been given as well as receive the gifts that each one of the people that you get to do life with will bring this is how we're going to be strong. This is how we're going to be able to grow and be able to tell the story of Jesus to the people around us just by the way we live. Beautiful example of this, I'm going to end with this, is uh, our native kahikatea trees in New Zealand. Uh, they, I think I've got a picture. Have we got a picture? There they are. Aren't they beautiful? We see them in the forest. They are our tallest native tree. They grow to 50 to 65 metres tall. And here's the thing. They grow in groves, in groups. If they grow apart from a group, they don't grow very well. They're way more vulnerable to disease, and they certainly never get to the, the heights that they will when they are growing together. You can see where I'm going here. Let's, this. This is what makes this happen. By growing together, their root system doesn't so much go under the earth, although they do to a little bit, but they have this massive root structure that goes across the ground and intertwines with the other trees around them. It makes them one of the most resilient native trees that we have, and they are really hard to take down because of the interconnected nature of their root system. They grow together. This, let this visual capture your heart because that is what we can be. That we can be a people that are moved by love, that as we want to grow tall, grow towards the Lord, that we are growing out towards each other. We are choosing to become interconnected and have our root system intertwined with those that God has called to be alongside of us in this season. So can I invite each one of us to rethink the priority of community and building family within our own lives. How well is each one of us positioning ourselves to be able to be known and to know others here? And we talk about this all the time. We're like, if you're not sure where to start, you could check out a small group, you could join a team, you could go and serve you know, in the community activities that we do, but just find ways to get to know people. It might be, you know, after this and you're out there having a coffee and you meet someone and you think, oh, you know what, they seem like pretty nice people. 
well, I could maybe grab a coffee. Coffee's cheap and it doesn't take long. You can fix an hour if you need to, just so you can get away. But for some of us, this is going to feel a little risky, but it's worth the risk. If you want to know all the things, like why you wouldn't want to do this, all of the problems with the church, why you would want to be super careful, all of that, I could give you a list. I've been around. But I'm going to choose to stay. I'm going to choose to keep taking the risk of getting to know people. I'm going to keep making the effort. I've got to say, since COVID, um, it feels like more of an effort to have people over for a meal or to do something. Like, I have i don't know what happened with all of that. But I, And talking to some other people, I know that there's, I'm not the only one. Like we're, Even with friends, like we're not hanging out as much. To, to our deficit. Here's the thing. This can come off sounding like, oh my goodness, she's asking us to do a whole lot more stuff. My life is full, my people bandwidth is at capacity. <laughs> and for an, if you're an introvert, that might only be one or two or three people, which is totally fine. However, I think that this is something that really matters to God. And so I really want it to matter to us. And so I'm reminded of Jesus saying to his disciples, you know, Matthew 11, um, verse has gone out of my head. But anyway, in the message translation, I'll probably butcher the whole thing. But basically it's like, come away, walk with me, work with me, learn my unforced rhythms of grace. So I'm not trying to lay some big, heavy, ill-fitting thing on any of us. Please, please guard your heart against religiosity more an invitation of like would you have a conversation with God again about what the next thing might be for you to be able to move towards community towards moving towards building family here at Coast if this is your home if you're visiting with us today take this with you wherever home is so why don't we just pause to pray for a moment and if you're feeling like, oh, goodness me, I've had some really scary experiences in the church in the past and I'm actually really nervous of this. Or you might be listening going, that, I just don't even know where to start with that. I like the idea of it, I just don't know where to start. Or something else rises up in you. Lord, would you come? Would you minister to your people? If you, if you want some of this maybe just you know that posture of openness physically embodying that you know an outward expression of an inward orientation maybe pop your hands open no one's looking at you but if you would like more of this to become more of this sort of person to experience more of this kind of life Father would you come and would you minister to our hearts to our imaginations. Lord, where we have been let down, where we have been disappointed or hurt by the church, by people, by your people, or where we know we've done that to others, Lord, would you come and bring healing and restoration, another step in that journey. For those of us who would give mental assent to this but really don't know how we're going to weave this into our lives, God, I pray that even now you'd be dropping some thoughts of people 
or of the kinds of things that we could do that feel doable, that are sustainable. Plant those things in our imaginations now, I pray. Come, Lord. Would you expand our hearts, expand our minds, expand our understanding, Lord, of what your idea of spiritual family can be. Help us to have realistic expectations because we're still just dealing with normal, regular people. But give us hope for this. Put a hook in us, a longing, a hunger for this that isn't satisfied by the superficial, surface level disconnection that prevails a lot of the time. Come, Lord Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us for today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you are keen to find out a little bit more about us as a church whānau or you'd like to touch base, then you can go to coast.org.nz and there you'll find information about our in-person services, online services, various resources and activities. Enjoy the day and be blessed.